You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on the go? Feel like you never have any time to chill? Feel like you're always constantly just having your mind race even when you're sitting there doing nothing? Well, reach for the beer that's made to chill in Coors Light. Because anytime that you need to kick back and relax, Coors Light is the only option that you need. If you're watching sports, grab a Coors Light. If you're watching reality TV, grab a Coors Light. Or if you're just sitting there wondering and pondering your thoughts about what life really is all about, grab a Coors Light. Because it's literally made to chill because it's cold water, lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. And it's a crisp and refreshing taste, just like the Colorado Rockies. So it's a perfect for a moment to unwind. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to unwind... Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Very special guest here on the podcast as we know that Arkansas and LSU week is this week. Always interesting and fun to talk about and to get into. And it's a great, great day to be joined by T-Bob A. Bear, former LSU football player, offensive lineman, part of the national championship team in 07, also, he does radio down in ESPN 104.5 Baton Rouge, which is a great radio station. I have many friends down there, and they do a great job. And we're going to talk more about Arkansas and LSU and the rivalry right now as we go to the phone lines and welcome in T-Bob A. Bear. What's going on, T-Bob? Yo, what's going on, boys? Thank you for bringing me in with Kendrick. That meant a lot. Um, <laughs> because not much else good is going on, at least when it comes to LSU. The Saints are pretty tight right now. But, yeah, Uh for the first time in my life, I wish I was an Arkansas fan. <laughs> Man, for the first time, because, yeah, it has been quite an interesting season. So let's just start right there with LSU. What, what's been going on? I know that they've had some postponements of games, and we know that they had to replace a ton from last year, not only players but coaches. But just in your synopsis, what is going on with LSU this year? I mean, it's so it, it, it's kind of interesting. The more I've thought about it and kind of tried to – form a cohesive opinion on it i see a lot of similarities to last year but just in the inverse like what i mean by that is last year was a perfect storm of good in terms of where a lot of these players were in their development in college in terms of the staff hires that were made um in terms of having you know the ultimate piece in a heisman quarterback uh and then when you look at this year the complete opposite is true uh it's almost a perfect storm of bad when you look at all the opt-outs and the massive exodus from lsu i mean you're currently playing with like 60 something scholarship players out of your allotted 85 this is highly competitive football like the margins matter here and lsu is essentially playing without 25 percent of its roster that's a terrible waste of resources um you combine that with some coaching hires that haven't just been bad but been like disastrous like, on the offensive side of the ball, I wouldn't say Scott Linehan's been disastrous, but he did take over third down in red zone from Joe Brady, and although you didn't expect to put up the same numbers last year, you are markedly worse in those areas. Um, but in defense, I mean, there's just no escaping the Bo Collini element. Uh, and, and I know that the root of everything, the biggest piece in all of this bad gumbo is 
the exodus of talent and just all the guys that you lost. But I still see an LSU team that it is just objective. There is no argument to be made that is playing below their relative talent level. I mean, just look at what Mississippi State did to that team and what Mississippi State has gone on to do in every single game since. And so, to me as a coach, you, what you always want to do is, okay, are, are you are, are you mitigating the damage in a situation or are you exacerbating it, right? And I guess it's a negative way to view it, but right now LSU's coaching staff is not mitigating their talent deficiencies in these areas. They're actively worsening them, especially both playing on the defensive side of the ball. So it's, it's pretty much just a disaster on that side of the ball. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Guys don't know what to do. I mean, you send a guy in motion pre-snap, and it looks like you lobbed a grenade into the defense. <laughs> so freaking out, like, point at each other, yelling at each other. Nobody said it. The snap, it's, it's, it's bad, boys. What kind of expectations did you have for LSU coming into the season? You have a 10-game all-conference schedule. As we know, lost a lot of talent and some coaches. So what, what did you expect to see before the season started? I said a successful season would have been seven and three. I thought six and four is probably the most realistic opportunity, but that uh, I, I but but I felt pretty confident they would be able to reach seven and three. Now, as the season got closer, you know, you lost Tyler Shelvin and Jamar Chase on the same day, and like things kept getting a little worse and a little worse. But I still. Um, I still thought that they would be – I thought they'd be 7-3. And really, when you look at it, I mean, there is no excuse for how they lost to Mississippi State and how they lost to Missouri. Even if they had played bad defense in those games, you would have won. So, like, it wouldn't have been that far off. Losing to Auburn, although the manner in which you lost in the end ends up being surprising preseason, you say you lose to Auburn, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, but but really, it's those, it's those early games where just – becomes inexplicable for LSU fans. You know, it's been a weird year for a lot of different people and for a lot of different reasons. And going into this game, as far as the matchup goes against the Razorbacks, you know, Arkansas, everyone's happy here because it's been so yeah. bad over the previous few years. So everyone's pumped. Uh, but I understand that people are upset in LSU. But as far as this game itself and the matchup, what do you make of the Hogs and Tigers this weekend in Fayetteville? So I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I like Arkansas – in this game. Um, I just think they're the better coach football team. I think uh, Brody Miller, my podcast co-host, who writes for The Athletic, he, he said Arkansas is the type of team where they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot, right? They're going to be real steady, and LSU will shoot themselves in the foot. Now, uh, I think that the numbers support this. When you look, Arkansas is pretty much middle of the pack, just solid in about every statistical category, whereas LSU is better in a lot of the offensive ones but markedly worse than all the defensive ones. And the problem with that is that I don't really know how strong LSU is offensively anymore. Um, with Miles Brennan, I would feel very good about them. With the freshman quarterbacking situation, it is so reliant on the offensive line that like, if the offensive line doesn't have a very good game, nothing else will work. And so if you're telling me that the, the, the strength of the team, my team going into this game, is on the offensive side of the ball, and I have a true freshman quarterback that just got really rattled at Auburn. He's got to go on the road, and he's got to face Barry Odom and a team playing with this much confidence. I don't feel good about that matchup. Like the, the, the best argument that I can make for LSU 
is simply that at these skilled positions, I do think that they still have a couple guys that are just freaky talents. Like if the O-line can hold up and you can get the ball to Eric Gilbert, the freshman tight end, or Terrace Marshall, the All-American wide receiver, like those guys should be able to win those one-on-ones. I just don't know if they can connect all the pieces beforehand to get to winning those one-on-ones. What are some of your memories from playing Arkansas? We know that LSU goes into this game, most cases, with superior talent. This year may be a little closer in talent, but there have been some close games over the years, so you playing against Arkansas, what are some of your memories? Yeah, I hate Arkansas. Um, (laughs) I think uh, the craziest stat for my five years of college football, which, you know, began with a national championship and ended in losing a national championship, it was a good five years. There was one team that we had a losing record to, and it was Arkansas. Even Bam, I think we finished three and three with the Natty loss. I was two and three against the Hogs, so I hate the Hogs. They're just they're 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 annoying. It's always cold in Fayetteville. I'm not used to the cold. You play in Louisiana, it's always hot there. <laughs> it's terrible. It even feels cold when it gets in like the fifties. I've become so soft to cold weather. Um, I remember uh, a, a touchdown right before half in 2010 that still makes me angry to this day where Carl Hatcher tried to cheat it, cheat it a little bit. Um, and then I guess ultimately it did end on a good memory. It was uh, blowing y'all out in Tiger Stadium uh, when y'all ranked top five. So that was a way to recoup some of those tears. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, look, I, I, we thought that Arkansas knocked us out of a national championship in 07 um, with McFadden and Felix Jones. And quite frankly, that 07 team is the luckiest team ever to get back into that natty. But, yeah, it is always a battle, at least it was in my experience, when it came down to the Hogs and the Tigers. But I have called the pigs. Let me know. When I was in high school, I went to the Florida-Arkansas uh, SEC Championship, and we sat in the Arkansas section. We threw some Arkansas shirts on, and we were going crazy. It was just Tebow was too much. We'll continue our discussion with T. Bob A. Bear here in just a second. But first, though, folks, I know that you got to go, go, go all the time. You need something to eat, though, because you don't want to lose your energy. You're going to be going, 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 and before you know it, you're going to be gone, 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 passing out because you didn't eat anything because you didn't have time. But luckily for all of you, there's Built Bar. It's the best-tasting protein bar ever, and they have 18 different flavors, and they're also extremely healthy. And they're convenient, which is the most important thing. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious beverage, or it's not a beverage, it should say treat. It could be a beverage if you wanted to mix it up in your blender and put some water in it. You can make it a beverage, do whatever you want with it. But it's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, so it's great for any diet. And the best thing about it is we have an absolute great deal for all of you. If you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. doesn't matter how many Built Bars you order. You can order the entire warehouse of Built Bar and if you use the promo code locked on you get 20 percent off so take advantage eat something that's convenient that's healthy that's easy and tastes amazing by going to builtbar.com using promo code locked on for 20 percent off your next order you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast well, and it's funny you brought that up because, you know, there's there are a lot of animosity, at least from Arkansas fans towards LSU. But what do you make of this quote-unquote rivalry? Because Arkansas fans, they like the golden boot. They they like the fact that they feel like LSU is a true rival. But LSU, you guys got Bama, you got Florida, you got Ole Miss, you got these other teams. What do you make of this, quote, rivalry between Arkansas and LSU? 
I don't know if I'm in line with the general public, but to me it is 1,000% um, the biggest rival. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's always got the most on the line competitively, and LSU's rivals tend to vary by era. But certainly for me growing up, I grew up in Atlanta, so the only games I could ever go to would be those Thanksgiving games when they were in Baton Rouge, and even I'd be in Thanksgiving watching them on TV. And, like, I, I have very fond memories of all just watching those games growing up. Uh, I loved playing in those games. Like I said, we freaking went two and three, and they were always super intense. Um, I love the Golden Boot. I think it is a beautiful, golden, massive, gaudy. It reminds me of something that, like, it's so... It's it's ancient and almost how pointless and gaudy it is. It's like, <laughs> look at what we have made, this giant 100-pound golden monstrosity. It's razor sharp. You could probably chop a man's. You could definitely saw a man's head off with it, with how serrated it is. It's, uh, I, I, and I know I don't want people to think I'm being sarcastic here. I genuinely love the golden boot, and, and I get angry when it is not – uh, in Baton Rouge, and and I love, I just, I love that. It, it does add kind of a fantasy military element to the whole proceeding. So, T. Bob, love the fact that you're passionate and you love the boot, but we always hear that LSU doesn't care about the boot. The the players don't care about it. So, are you in the minority on that? Do do other players really care about it? I mean, I'm I, I, I may be in the minority. I'm not entirely sure there. I don't. It's Sometimes I don't know if it's true the majority or just a vocal sect that just really gets off to being like, oh, I don't care about the boo. I'm better than you. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not really fans of, uh, of those people too much to begin with. Also, if you're trying to claim that Alabama's our biggest rival, then it's pretty damning on LSU because we don't beat the LSU doesn't beat them too often. Uh, once in the last nine years. So, <laughs> Uh, even though, you know, I, I guess we'll never know who would have won this year. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell these Bama fans. I'm sorry, dude. We didn't get to play the game. Who knows? Yeah, it's been a crazy year because of that. And it's also crazy because, you know, Arkansas with Sam Pittman, uh, they've really surprised a lot of people. And one of the things about Sam Pittman is he's an offensive line guy. He's an offensive line coach. You being a former offensive lineman, do you feel like more offensive line coaches should get that chance? And, and what do you think about Sam Pittman and the job he's done so far at Arkansas? So I love that he's an O-line coach because I like anything offensive line related, right? But that to me is not um, why he's having so much success. I, I think that it has less to do about his, you know, what position he coached, and it just has everything to do with his passion, with, with, with his passion for the school and wanting to be there, and not just because it's a step up from his last job or they can pay him more money than anywhere else. He wants to be in Arkansas recruiting to Arkansas and, and, and making that program as successful as possible. When you were talking about college football, the lifeblood is recruiting. Recruiting at its core, there's a lot of logic involved, but there's a lot of emotion involved as well. And you can't always fake that. You can tell when the guys who are just stopping through uh, try to recruit to some of these schools. Like when Sam Pittman shows up and says he's going to be at Arkansas, you know, for as long as he, he can be, right? You know, until somebody tells him no. Like, and he says, I want you to come play for me. You can believe that. And he believes in the message. And I think that gets true on like a, that gets through on like a subconscious kind of connective level. So um, I, I think that's why 
he's working out so well. And then I think you have to be at that time, you have to be a good CEO. And and what are some of the things that great leaders do? Um, you know, uh, and a lot of times they, they are they are great delegators. They empower their employees to make decisions. Um, they hire well. That's something that Coach O's been hit or miss with thus far. Uh, hit a lot of home runs. Looks like he struck out a couple times as well. But when he has hired well, he has managed well. And I think uh, Sam Pittman hired well, is managing well, and I do believe in having this kind of singular vision at, uh, or this kind of singular yeah vision at the top of the program. It feels like Pittman has that. And the thing is, I've always said this: a head college football coach has so many responsibilities. Like the on the field coaching is not even the majority of their responsibilities, and so you need someone who, like like we said, has that overall vision and has that passion. And I think you have that in Pittman, and it's paying huge dividends. What do you think of Felipe Franks as an offensive lineman, the quarterback? He's the guy you want to protect at all times. What have you seen from him? What do you think of him? I mean, Franks has been really solid, man. Um, I, I, I'm what what I'm impressed with is his resilience, right? In terms of having success in Florida, then getting hurt, then getting Wally Pitt. Instead of giving it up and hanging up, he knows he wants to continue to play. He takes a chance on Arkansas. Arkansas takes a chance on him. And now these two disparate lovers are producing beautiful footballs. And uh, and so I, I can always appreciate a guy who, when he's backed into a very low point like that, instead of allowing that to crush him, managed to rise up. Like, look, he's not going to be the most overwhelming player um, uh, now he's certainly been way better than I ever would have thought of statistically this year, but he, but, but, you know, he's not, I don't know if he's going to like Kyle Joy. Well, <laughs> he might do this to LSU, but to a good defense, he might not like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones, you, but, um, it doesn't take away from what he's doing this year, uh, in the slightest. It's been a very impressive job. Uh, T-Bob, what is the, as far as this, after the season, I call it after the regular season, but with these postponements and everything, do you feel like the Florida game and the Bama game will for sure get played? Uh, I mean, because it just seems like there's so much up in the air, and we know that scheduling is going to be crazy. But do you see both of those games getting played for LSU this year? People say they will. Um, I don't know if anybody says for sure, right? It seems like the, the, the kind of general accepting that I'm hearing is that it is still uh, believed that it's more likely than not that they would get played. I don't know if I see that. I think I, I think the great kind of wrench in all of this is I think that the league obviously wants to try to get two teams into the playoff, right? And their best opportunity to do that lies in some combination of Florida, Alabama, and uh, Texas A&M. And so you now have a situation where, like, do you want those teams playing on the 12th? Or do you want them to have a week off so if there is any COVID stuff, they get right for that SEC championship? Like, do you want to put any of that at risk? Whoever's got right in end games. But then, obviously, economically, you absolutely need to play these games. So, like, economics normally drives decisions. Um, so I guess it would maybe come down to, like, do they view the value of trying to get these teams into the playoffs greater than the value they will lose by not playing these games? Now, if only one of those games gets played, if it's – uh, Bama or Florida, which one would you prefer that they play? 
then I mean uh, Florida. Florida. I can I can take Florida. I can take a Florida. LSU. The the ability to uh, the ability to mess with Alabama fans and be like, we never know who would have won. And yeah, I guess it's gonna be another year till y'all can beat us. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you, dude. It's not my fault. Twenty twenty, man. Right. All I right. love it. Um, yeah. So absolutely, I'll lose to Florida. That's fine. I hate Dan but that's cool. Yeah, well, I know that uh, not only do you have the Alabama-Florida game possibly getting played, but you also got Texas A&M coming up, too, which is another big team. Just what what do you make of the SEC besides Bama-Florida? Do you think Texas A&M actually has a legit shot of making the college football playoff? Oh, excuse me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, what did throw a wrench, a weird how this all works, you know, it's like Notre Dame being Clemson ends up being very bad for A&M. Because now, if Notre Dame and Clemson both run the table, they re-beat in the ACC championship. If Clemson beats Notre Dame, I think they will have a stronger argument to get in to the playoff, Notre Dame would at that point, than would a 9-1 A&M team. Now, maybe that changes if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship, and now A&M's sitting there like, wait, I'm in the same boat. My only loss is to the conference champion. So there's like, a lot that could potentially happen here. But, yes, a 9-1 and A&M team would be, I mean, first in line, definitely on the bubble, knocking on the door uh, for this for, for, for a playoff, which, which trust me, sickens me to say. Um, but it is, unfortunately, we have arrived there. Well, T-Bob, we're up against it, man. But, as always, we appreciate your input and appreciate your entertainment that you provide, man, talking a little hogs and LSU should be a great game. Enjoy the rest of the season, man, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. I love it, and just know the golden boot is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just recognize that. Abs- excellent. We appreciate it, T-Bob. We will go right into the number four Arkansas-LSU game of all time, in my opinion, here in just a second. But first, this. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, so in this final segment, you all know that I've been sitting here and pondering about some of the top five Arkansas-LSU matchups since the Arkansas has really joined the SEC is what I've been looking at. And my number four uh, is happening today. Yesterday was 2015 Arkansas-LSU. Today is Arkansas-LSU of 2008, the Miracle on Markham Part 2. Now, this is where it's going to start getting controversial and maybe some of you start disagreeing with me. But here's why I believe that this is the fourth best Arkansas-LSU game of all time. LSU was not a good football team and neither was Arkansas. Let's just be honest about it. Neither team was ranked. This game took place in Little Rock and nothing was really on the line except for maybe LSU wanting to go to a better bowl game. But for Arkansas, the season was over, no postseason because they were four and seven at the time. But the reason I say it's the best one is because Arkansas had to storm back from behind in a major way to win this game. They were down 30 to 14. 30-14 to in the third quarter of this game at home. LSU had just taken care of business against them. Uh, They had been scoring a a ton of points, at least in the – not often. And they weren't doing good offensively, but uh, the team for LSU actually did a good job scoring. And Arkansas was just dead in the water. They had had a terrible start to the year uh, under Bobby Petrino in year one. The only other SEC game they won was against Auburn on the road, which they barely won, but most of the other games they got blown out in. It just wasn't a good year. It wasn't a good season, but a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience that was trying they were trying to overcome. And Arkansas did that, and it was very indicative of exactly how this team would be under Bobby Petrino and also how the season went. Where Arkansas had a tough start. They were down 30-14, to 14, 
but they stormed back, never gave up hope. And, of course, to be able on fourth and one, the balls of Bobby Vitrino on fourth and one to call uh, a play where that doesn't just get the first down but gets the touchdown all the way down the field was just magical. And it really jump-started the Arkansas program back again under Bobby Petrino and, and got it going and set the standard and just showed what this team is capable of and really ended the note. Even though he didn't go to a bowl game, he, there's not a better way to end the season than to end in a victory against LSU in a come-from-behind fashion. And it, it was awesome because it was a comeback, and it was against LSU – and it was a great game and ended up being a great start to Bobby Petrino's tenure at Arkansas. We still have a good exclamation point on the season. So I have it as number four. You can debate me all day long, but that's the way I feel. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNavers for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.